0: Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth, earth has been given to me.
1: Therefore, go and make disciples
0: of all nations,
2: baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit to obey everything i have commanded you I'm and surely i'm
1: with you always to the, the very end, end of, of the age <laughs> welcome to exploring missions connecting mission needs with those equipped by god to meet those needs across the world or
2: across town and now the host of exploring missions bert harper the question is how do you tell a hungry man about the living or the bread of life of Jesus, or a thirsty man about the living water of God's word. Um, It's amazing what God has left into our uh, pre-fuel of of work. It's not just sharing the gospel, but it's also breaking down barriers by helping others in order to let God have his way. When Peter and John uh, went up to the temple in Acts chapter 3, and the beggar, asked for alms or money, and they said, silver and gold we don't have, but in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Uh, When the 5,000 were hungry, Jesus did feed them. And so we see a model in the scriptures about helping others, and we want to discuss that today. Our interview will be involved with Eight Days of Hope, a ministry that God is using beyond measure that that is changing lives and helping others to come to know christ and our our co-host is nathan harper and nathan uh, eight days of hope uh those folks that go and they work with those people and they're surrounded by other believers and then they come at night and they worship eight days of hope besides it being missional in helping others it shares the love of god but it's a discipleship program as well. The folks that I know that went on these mission things, they come back better members than when they left.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, and you know, that's how God, I believe, designed things to work is, you know, disciple making the overall process of discipleship or disciple making, you know, that's our mission is to make disciples. And so when you're making disciples, first of all, you must be a disciple yourself and then if you are a disciple, a disciple, a mark of a disciple is that they make other disciples. So it kind of works together in tandem. If you're on mission, you're going to be growing closer to Jesus.
2: If you're growing closer to Jesus, you're going to be more and more on mission. And and I'm telling you, there's points in people's lives when they are more vulnerable, when they are open more than other times. Mm-hmm. And eight days of hope goes in at times when people are hurting they're vulnerable. Sometimes they don't know where what they're going to do or where they're going to turn. Their lives have been turned upside down. Their home is destroyed. They've lost valuables, but more important than the valuables, they've, they've lost some of the things that tie them to their past. Yeah. I would say legacy items. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, in my home, we've got some things that far as the value of them they, they're they not valuable as far as the world is concerned, but to me and, and my wife and even to our sons, they're valuable because of what they uh, call to remembrance. Yeah. And so Eight Days of Hope is able to go in at these times and make those kind of differences. And the scriptures we've looked at today is James chapter 2, 14 and 18. James kind of comes down on people that are not willing to... <laughs> Uh, demonstrate the love of God through some works. Uh, it, it really changes, doesn't it? He really pinpoints those people. Yeah, you show me. You say you have faith, and you're not doing anything with it. Uh, I, I say James kind of puts up and say, I wonder if you really got what God yeah. God wants you to have. Yeah, I mean,
1: faith doesn't just sit there. You know, it, it it gets up and it moves and it's active. And so James is calling attention to that point and you know, quite where we can, the hearer, the listener, the reader can question our own selves. We're to examine ourselves and say, you know, is there a disconnect between what I say I believe and what I'm living out? Um, and, you know, we could do that individually. I think we're to do that uh, as a church, as a body of Christ, a local uh, con- congregation, we're to do that as well. But also in just in general, in an overall uh, culture of, uh, of whether it's you know evangelical Christianity or, or mission work, uh, it's a good question to always be brought back to. are we separating things that God intends to be
2: unified? Yeah. We've done that terrible clergy and laity. Yeah, we you, do it so many times. We do it, we yeah. do it and uh, we, we pinpoint the things we do in church more important than those things we do outside of church as a body of believers. But honestly, their real work is done outside that building most of the time, That's right. or, or that place of of gathering. Uh, let your light so shine before men that they'll glorify your Father who's in heaven. Uh, that light shines by what you're doing and how you're living. The scripture we want to look at today, again, is the book of James, chapter 14 through 18. It says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? The 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 words in the, in the Greek is, can that kind of faith save right. him? The issue is that kind of faith. Mm-hmm. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed, be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Does it say we're saved by those works? but they they run in tandem. Uh, That faith is dead, but someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And it goes on. It talks about that even the demons believe. In other words, they, they believe. So, it is a salvation, and it is a faith that works and leads to works. And so, the reason we're doing that is because we have found out on Eight Days of Hope, a lot of people, Nathan, that May not be able to teach a Sunday school class. They can't lead. They don't feel adequate to even lead a small group. Uh, even some of these guys and gals, they they would not lead in a public prayer. They'd feel like that was too intimidating for them. But they can go and and they can scrape walls. They can tear down out uh, you know uh, sheet rock and and they can use a hammer. They can use a saw. They can carry wood or whatever is needed. Yeah. And what an opportunity. That's what's neat about ministries like this. Some guys that felt like they are nothing. Some ladies that feel like they can't contribute because they can't do what the people who stand in front of them do. You know, they don't preach and they don't sing and they don't pray a beautiful prayer. And they're sitting out there and they're thinking, well, what can I do? The mission field is wide open for them, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, this, um, the category, I guess, that you would put eight days of hope in as a, as a ministry is, uh, you would call it uh, disaster relief. And disaster relief, uh, crisis relief, is, all, unfortunately, it's always going to be needed at all over the world at, at different times and different places. Um, but it's generally and usually wide open. For uh, the body of Christ, for the church to engage in in the mission that God has for it, um, and and usually they're received with open arms, even by governments that are generally opposed to uh, to to Christians having influence. Uh, it, at times of crisis, they'll you know some of these governments will even turn to to the church to help, and so it might not be exactly your ministry, but. If, if you don't have a ministry that you're currently a part of, if you don't have an active, tangible way that you're carrying out the mission that God's given you, especially outside the walls of the church, then I would encourage you to consider what you could do in, 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 uh, with Eight Days of Hope or through a disaster uh,
2: relief, disaster recovery kind of a program. And sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it'll be someone that you know that it wasn't part of, of a catastrophic event but it was a catastrophic issue in their own lives. Uh, let me just use this as an example. After pastoring for nearly 40 years. Um, bad things happen, and you're called to the emergency room. You're called to different places of, of intensive care, and you go and you find individuals and families that are devastated. And I know those that I've gone as a pastor— but what blesses me, Nathan, I'll go as a pastor. But here comes somebody in, and and they've got some cash, and they'll say, you know, you're up here, and and sometimes it's coins because the machines, you know, most yeah. of them take cash now because everything's so high. But in the early years, it was all coins. I'm that old, and I didn't have cards, credit, you know, so you had okay. to have coins. So I would be there, and I'd be talking, and a fellow, a church member from the church where I was at. They would come and visit them as well in an intensive care, and they'd have a pocket full of change and say, here, I know you'll need this. They didn't have cell phones. They'd have to put a quarter in to make a phone call. Right. And, and then I've been in the emergency room when they've come in, and uh, someone that's worked at the hospital, they come in, and they're not on call, but they've come in because they heard about this accident and life-threatening and hardship, and them come in and do a work that – that I wouldn't be able to do as their pastor. So what we're saying is this: these works that we're talking about, we are talking about hands and feet. We're talking about going and doing some things that, uh, if you're not going to do it, and God's impressed you to do it, chances are He's given you the ability, or He will He will attach you to somebody that together. You can do it. Jesus sent them out two by two, and sometimes they cast out demons, they healed. So it was a ministry of the gospel, but of the kingdom, but it's also a ministry of works, wasn't it?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that's, you know, it's not just the words that uh, the early church would would proclaim and, and would teach and speak. Uh, it was that there was that we, we must not lose that aspect of a verbal proclamation of the gospel. But it was not just that, it was also a visual demonstration of the gospel and little acts of, uh, of purposeful, intentional kindness done in Jesus' name, whether it's a, giving a cup of cold water, as Jesus would talk about, um, or it's here in this example that James is using someone that might uh, you know, be hungry or thirsty and you, and you meet those needs. Instead of just giving the words, hey, be blessed, you know, bless you, brothers, bless you, sister, Uh, Go and be filled, be warm and filled, but actually not actually filling or warming them and helping them. uh, Yeah, that's not that one. That's not going to make any kind of impact on anybody except a negative one, possibly. And two, that's not real faith. That's not the faith that that Jesus gives. That's not the faith in Jesus that we are to uh, demonstrate. And so, you know, we must not separate uh, faith and works. We must not separate uh, gospel, the verbal proclamation of the gospel, preaching the gospel, from uh, the act of healing or or a visual demonstration of the gospel. Um, it's that two handled plow, you know. Hmm. Uh, preach on one end, heal on the other. Um,
2: proclaim uh, and provide, and, yeah, and provide. And using That's right. those... It's so important, and I, I saw you do that when you were ministering to the refugees, and there was a language barrier, but there was needs that were there, uh, a smoke alarm going off, yeah. and they couldn't, but you were able to go, and and that was just small, but that small thing was big because it does what? Opens doors. Absolutely. It builds relationships. And so when we're talking about uh, the ministry of, of Eight Days of Hope, we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about relationship, but we're really talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ being shared with those who are in desperate need, and we pray that you would be on the lookout, that you would see those that were in need, and with a open hand and with a loving heart, that you could provide for them a handout and a and a word about the Lord Jesus Christ. Our guest today is Israel Riley. Welcome, Israel. Thank you. And if the last name sounds familiar, uh, John Riley is his dad, and uh, he's been with AFR for many, many years. And so, uh, Israel, again, thank you for being with us. And now you are ministering and a missionary of Eight Days of Hope. And uh, how long uh, How long have you been connected with Eight Days of
0: Hope? Uh, yes, sir. So I've been with Eight Days of Hope pretty much uh, when they started 13 years ago. Um, actually, my mom and dad's been taking me eight days of hope uh, as I was a young one. and, We've been just going on all these trips since I was young.
2: Well uh, your dad John he if there was one going on he was ready to go and I remember him taking his microphone and he would interview people and then sometimes he would call in from the location and let us hear and every once in a while he would have others on and I think you were one of those but I remember hearing that on the radio so I'm glad God has brought you that way so you' being raised in that you saw the need and the heart. For that, and people really after a disaster, let's make sure people know what Eight Days of Hope is, because we could talk about it. And if you're a regular listener of uh, of this pro of this network AFR, I know you know what day Eight Days of Hope is. But we may have some people who are new. Tell us a little bit about Eight Days of Hope and its purpose,
0: Israel. Yes, sir. So Eight Days of Hope has two arms of the ministry. Uh, one arm is after 48 to 72 hours after the disaster, we'll head out. And um, we'll go to all hurricane, tornado, uh, disaster, and what we'll do is we'll clean up debris, we'll tarp roofs, we'll cut trees off the houses, and we'll gut the house, and we'll try to salvage any uh, property that the homeowner might want to keep. And this really just gives us the opportunity to just share the love of Jesus uh, with these people who are broken, and we're able to love on them and, and in, their, in this time of sorrowfulness in their yeah. lives,
2: and, and that's immediate. Uh, this wasn't always part of Eight Days of Hope, but the need was seen for immediacy of it, and and so this branch of Eight Days of Hope is is relatively new. Uh, Last three or four years, I would think, if I remember correctly, is that right?
0: It is, yes, sir. It's fairly new. Uh, matter of fact, Chris Childs uh, came on the ministry, and now he leads uh, the rapid response as well.
2: And and that rapid response is so important because people are hurting and they don't know what to do. And you guys come in at a strategic time when people come in later on for the second part of eight days of hope. They've they're still devastated. They're still hurting, but uh, they've the shock is has a little bit worn out. And uh, but there for the immediacy of it, it's it's such a vital part. I'm sure prayer. I mean, when they see you guys coming to help, uh, I. I can you imagine I can just imagine the thankfulness that they
0: demonstrate yes sir we get a lot of people really thankful and just happy uh, they get tears in their eyes and they just they say you're angels you know we we can't thank you enough
2: well uh, tell us about the second part so this yes, is the part that started years ago with Hurricane Katrina
0: yes sir so so the second part uh second arms of the ministry is after about a year after the disaster when everything's cleaned up We'll go and we re- rebuild houses. And this is pretty much the same, but we're, we're rebuilding houses instead of cleaning up disaster relief. And so um, this gives us, again, this gives us the opportunity to minister, to share the love of Jesus. We've had so many people uh, come to know the Lord Jesus uh, through an Eight Days of Hope um, trip. And as well as the volunteers, they've come to know the Lord Jesus as well. So it works both ways. And And
2: when you do that, these are people who are from churches— that they take vacation time, they take their summer time off, if it's in the summertime, uh, spring breaks, uh, they come and they bring their skills, whatever skill level that is. Isn't that right?
0: Yes, sir. It doesn't matter if you can pick up uh, erect leaves, if you can hold a board up, whatever you can do. If you can do carpentry, build a house, we need you.
2: And, and so what this means is that you can be a part of it, and Eight Days of Hope has a website that people can go and, and connect with Eight Days of Hope. I know we want to pray for them, and people can give to help, and, but there's also those that volunteer, and uh, it's a great opportunity. And
0: uh, it's usually three or four days at least, you know. and some people stay the whole eight days. Yes, sir. Some people actually do stay the whole eight days of hope. And then you can or you can stay just a couple of days.
2: Yeah. And it really works well. And, and we've seen the benefits of it for from many people, many perspectives. Well, tell us your part in it as an individual. Right now, you are a missionary, but you're also having to raise support. And people that hear you today, uh, they say, man, I want to I've always wondered how I could help eight days of hope. But just beside giving money. But tell us what you do. So that people will know how important it is that you you have a ministry that makes it possible for when these disasters go out that everything is ready to go. You don't have to collect a lot of stuff. A lot of the stuff has already been collected. Is that right?
0: Yes, sir. That's correct. So we prepare uh, after the, before the disaster, a good bit before the disaster, whatever it happens. We have our big trailers. We have chainsaws. We have. All kinds of different equipment that we use for the rapid response part of the trip, and then as well as the rebuild, we have all of our trailers and needs for building houses. So my part in this is, um, I'm living currently in Buffalo, New York, um, in the northeast part of Buffalo. Eight Days of Hope. Um, someone donated almost a hundred thousand square foot warehouse to Eight Days of Hope. Donation. So, yes, sir. It was a donation, and and so now we use that to store all of our equipment for that part of the. United States, and we also have um, offices upstairs that we use for um, other people, other ministries that they can use that um, to get started with their ministry. So we're going to let them use that. Um, I'm also here in Tupelo, Mississippi, helping out with a a warehouse that we're rebuilding, um, and we're making it, we're we're building it from scratch. And this is going to also be a part in Tupelo, Mississippi, that we're going to use for our equipment, as well as that.
2: And so those two locations give you a lot of ability and financial help. In other words, it won't cost as much if it's up in the northeast to go from Buffalo, and if it's on the Gulf Coast or Texas, or it's easier from Tupelo, Mississippi. So it gives Eight Days of Hope a real... Uh, logistic advantage having these two locations.
0: Yes, sir. That's exactly right. We get to respond if that's in the northeast part of Buffalo. And if a disaster happens up there, uh, we can respond quickly over there. Um, If we have disaster in Tupelo, Mississippi and around this area, uh, we can respond as well. And, you know, my part here is I just want to serve. And that's what um, I feel like God has called me to do. I want to do whatever I can to help out and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. So my part is to do what the leaders have called me to do. To, but I go on every single trip, um, and again, uh, probably six months ago is when I f- became a full-time missionary, and I quit both of my jobs, and I told the Lord, I said, I know that you are going to provide, and I know that um, I'm going to trust in you, and he has been blessing me so much, and I'm just, my heart is to share the love of Jesus with people.
2: Amen. And, and when people are hurting like that, th- usually there's openness to that and uh, when you've been equipped and ready to do that uh, there was a song years ago now tell something about my age it was it when I was your age it was new Israel but now it's, it's you know I hear people say oh that's one of those old songs but it, it starts out and he says how do you tell a hungry man about the bread of life of Jesus Christ or how do you tell a thirsty man about the living water of God's word. And so uh, Eight Days of Hope is bridging that gap because there's people who are hurting after these disasters. Most of the disasters seem to be uh, from hurricanes and tornadoes, but then the flooding can happen on up into the uh, area, like New Bern, uh, North Carolina. Uh, I know the, you know the hurricane came mm-hmm. up, but that was mostly from flooding afterwards, was it not? Yes,
0: sir. It was. Yes, and, sir.
2: And so the water does a lot of damage. So when you guys go in there, there's a lot of cleanup to take place first, isn't there?
0: Yes, sir. There is. And a lot of times houses are uh, completely demolished because uh, in New Bern, we actually had some houses where the water was up to the roofs. Oh, So, I mean, it was it was really high there.
2: And can you t- I, I'm going to test your memory now. I didn't ask you if I was I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Can you. Uh, name several of the places that you've been with Eight Days of Hope.
0: Yes, sir. So we've been to uh, Benton, Pennsylvania. We've been to North Carolina. Uh, We have also been to um, Houston, Texas. That was last year. And then um, we went to Houston, Texas about three times. We had to do some rebuild trips, the rapid response part of it and the rebuild. And we've also been to Panama City Beach in Florida. Yeah. Um, so that's the places I've been right now. Meridian, Mississippi, I was there two years ago, I believe.
2: Yeah. And you went a lot with your mom and dad before that ever happened. Do you remember yes, most sir. of those, or is it just a uh, fading memory now?
0: Fading. There's a good bit of places that we've been. It's fading memory, but yeah. um, a whole bunch of other different places. And we have a list on 8 Days of Hope um, website of all the places that 8 Days of Hope have actually been. But I've been to a good bit of those.
2: Yes, what sir. I wanted you to share this with your mom and dad taking you on these eight days a whole mission trips? What benefit did it do for you as a youngster and would you recommend parents taking their children on mission trips similar to this?
0: Yes yeah, sir. So, so it really changed my life um, when mom and dad would, would they would take me as a young and it and it taught me the value of, of working. first of all, it taught me the value of life. Um, I, I could see these people broken in need of a savior and, and it actually taught me how to minister. and I truly believe that that has made a big impact on my spiritual life and, and my love for Christ and love for even others. That's what so I really encourage yeah everyone to bring your family, um, bring your young kids on eight days of hope trips. Now, you can't go on a rapid response. You have to be 18 and older for rapid response, but on the rebuilds, you can be as uh, young as you want, and uh, that uh, definitely changes the lives. And
2: children make a difference. They do their ministry, sure. and uh, they touch the lives of some of especially the older people. When they see a, a child there, it, it yeah. gives them hope, and it tells people care.
0: Yes, sir. What we'll do is we'll have the little kids do crafts and stuff, and they'll they'll build different things and They'll give it to the homeowners, and it really just um, makes the homeowner so happy to see the kids there. Kids make a joy on your face.
2: Well, you, you most of you have heard of Eight Days of Hope. Israel is a missionary with them, raising support. He's got some, needs more, and uh, he's out of Buffalo, New York, and Tupelo, Mississippi. He, you know, the good thing about that having two locations, they can. Sort of like eight days of hope as uh, far as the mission trips, you go where you're needed. So yes, uh, Buffalo and Tupelo, when the warehouse is there and you're getting everything organized, ready to go for the next disaster, uh, they can uh, Israel can be ready to go at a moment's notice. And that's, that's pretty neat to have somebody that can uh, do that and serve that way. How can people, if those have heard you today... And they say, man, I've been connected with Eight Days of Hope. They can go to their website. But they also can say, man, if Israel, I, I want to support Israel or Riley, how would they go about doing that, Israel?
0: Yes, sir. So you go online, um, and you can go on your phone. You can also go on your uh, laptop or computer. And you just go to globaloutreach.org. Um, you click on the Donate. And then uh, you click Donate to a, a missionary. And all you do is search for the name Israel Riley. And from there, you can um, support me. Well,
2: the reason so. it's uh, we do this and global outreach is a ministry that that helps missionaries. They help their support. They do some training, and it's a great ministry. And. Uh, We've had all those folks on with us as well. Many of the people that we've interviewed here on Exploring Missions have been sent out by Global Outreach and just appreciate their ministry. So here it is. Notice this. And and I, I love this, the way God works Israel. God is believes in partnership. Jesus would send them out two by two. Uh, He he himself would go when Paul was a missionary journey. He never went alone. He He had first Barnabas and then Silas, and then Luke would join him. Titus would join him. Timothy would join him and many others. And here we have Eight Days of Hope, AFR, and Global Outreach joining together to accomplish Amen. things for the glory of God, because God's the one that needs to get the glory. Yes, not man. AFR, uh, not Eight Days of Hope, and not Global Outreach, not not Israel Riley or Burt Harper or Nathan Harper, but the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Israel, thank you for being with us today.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you. And I
2: pray that God would bless you and use you in his kingdom's work. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions on the American Family Radio Network, and be on mission for God.